Hello and welcome back everybody to episode 2 of the Black Hole Podcast. My name is Harry and I'm going to be the host of this episode. Once again, there's quite a lot to go over, so let's not wait and just get right into it. Starting out on Wednesday, we got the news that Gabe Jackson will no longer be on our roster within the next two weeks. The reason that I don't specify where he's going is because there's still a chance that we can trade him with the possibility of a draft pick in return. He most likely isn't worth all that much, but anything is better than nothing. But if he is to be cut, we still save around $9.5 million in cap, which will put us below the cap limit for free agency. This is, however, quite sad on the surface because Gabe Jackson has been with the Raiders since 2014 and was one of the last surviving members of the 2016 team. But now that he is without doubt gone, we need to look into the future and assess our other options. Starting off, I'd like to say that we have one guard spot locked down with Richie Incognito, who will likely play at least one more season with us. However, I don't know his long-term plans, and if I were to guess, he's most likely going to retire in the offseason of 2022. With that said, our right guard is a spot that is currently unknown, but on our roster we have two, two different options. The first is to roll with second-year guard John Simpson out of Clemson, who didn't see all that much time on the field last year, but does have a lot of potential. And our other option is to re-sign Denzel Good, who played at a very similar level to Gabe Jackson last year, and would definitely be a fine replacement for Jackson. Denzel Good would likely make anything from four to six million per year, and would likely get a two-year deal. Uh, I personally like both options, but I would go with John Simpson and use the money we save from not paying good to re-sign Nelson Aguilar. I'd say that the overall move of cutting Gabe Jackson or dealing him out in any sort of way is a B-, minus because while we do lose a very solid offensive lineman in Gabe Jackson, we also save almost $10 million in cap space, which will come in handy in free agency. If we still get rid of Mariota and Trent Brown, as well as giving Carr a new contract, we could be looking at up to $50 million in cap space, which could easily build a great defense, or at least an above average one. So let's hope the Raiders don't mess this one up and we go into next season with an actually decent defense. Okay, next up, we've got even more Raiders news to break down, this time with a rumor coming from insider source JT the Brick, saying that he has a feeling that the Raiders are gearing up to make a big trade for a defensive star. Like I said, Gabe Jackson, Marcus Mariota, and Trent Brown are all in play to be traded, as stated before, by the organization themselves. A list of some players that we could target is Stephon Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore, Brandon Graham, Darius Slay, Trey Flowers, Grady Jarrett, Preston Smith, Kyle Fuller, Matthew Ioannidis, Dante Jackson, Whitney Merciless, and Marcus May if he is franchise tagged in the re-sign period. I think our best two options currently are Darius Slay and Marshawn Lattimore. The Eagles, first of all, need to dump cap and Darius Slay is easily their biggest cap casualty. He's also being paid over $20 million to produce at a lower level than what he's used to, which is going to bring down his trade value even more meaning we might be able to give the Eagles a third in exchange for Slay, which I think would be a great value trade for the Raiders. Marshawn Lattimore also makes sense because, again, he is paying $10 million and the Saints are in cap hell. His value will be higher than Slay's, but he'll definitely be worth, pa- uh, he'll definitely be worth pushing for, especially with his age. And if we're able to pair him with Marcus Williams, our defense is going to have a huge jump in productivity.
Okay, I want to transition into some pre-free agency draft thoughts and predictions. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that in the next few months, I'm going to be gravitating further into draft uh, predictions, draft thoughts, mock drafts, stuff like that, because it's going to be the only stuff available to NFL fans in the next two months or so. And then after that, it's going to be even more dry. So yeah, I, I wanted to mention that. And I'd also like to say that no matter what, at our current position in the draft, and no matter who we pick up in free agency, I think that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is our number one priority uh, because of his versatility to play literally any position on defense. He can play linebacker, he can play slot cornerback, he can play safety, and he's even had some snaps on the defensive line. So I think his versatility easily makes him worth that pick at number 17. And even if we're to trade back, uh, I think that if we're ahead of the Browns, who are probably the second most likely team to take him, um, aside from the Dolphins, who do have a shot at taking him, but I think that they're less likely to, especially if Najee Harris is still on the board, which I haven't projected to be. So I think that uh, whether we're picking at 17 or if we swap picks with the Colts, I think that uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa is our number one priority. Uh, and also, I'd like to mention that he's my early pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year because I don't think that there are any pass rushers good enough to take it, and I don't think that any of the corners in the draft will play at a high enough level to win it in their first year. And last year, also, Jeremy Chin was a runner-up, and JOK will play a very similar role in the NFL while also being better in man coverage on slot receivers. Okay, and now we get into the Raiders draft situation. Uh, the first round pick, as I just stated, is pretty obvious, but the second and third uh, rounds are where we're going to have some difficult difficult decisions to make. Um, obviously, if we get a second round pick in exchange for Trent Brown, we should take Dylan Raidens, the right tackle who gave up three sacks in three years. Otherwise, we could roll with Brandon Parker and have two second round picks for defensive players. Uh, but yeah, I think that our number one priority in the second round should be Davion Nixon. In my opinion, he's DT1 in the class and has a lot of upside, especially for a second round guy. Uh, our other option is to take a safety in the second round, which is less likely to happen because we're more likely to grab a free safety in free agency. Uh, our options there are going to be Trevon Morig, Richie Grant, possibly Javon Holland. But aside from that, the last option is to take an edge in the second round. There's a few good guys there, and you could always see somebody like uh, Joseph Osai or somebody like that fall to us um, or fall further through that second round, and we might be able to trade up and grab one of them, which I definitely think is an option, that if one of those, one of those edges falls even to the beginning of the second round, we might see a trade up or even a trade down with our, our first round pick to get higher up in the second round so yeah uh, i also think that the third round brings even more difficult decisions because we can go jalen twyman the defensive tackle if we don't get an interior defensive lineman in the first two rounds uh, as well as having the other two positions available a mock trade i've seen on raider.scout's instagram has us trading trent brown and our first for the colts number 21 and their second and seventh which i think is our best option uh, for trades regarding the draft. And I think that if we get rid of that Trent Brown contract and we're able to bring in a stud right tackle in the second round, we should be set with our offensive line.
Okay, so next up, I'd like to weigh in on the whole Deshaun Watson situation, give my thoughts on it, give you guys a mock trade, which is going to turn the Texans into a terrible team from a terrible team into a decent team. And it's going to make their rebuild quite a bit easier. And it's going to turn the Panthers from uh, the eighth worst team in the league to a contender, a playoff contender. Not really a Super Bowl contender yet, but a playoff contender at the least. And this trade is going to involve two first-round picks from the Panthers, including number eight this year, two second-round picks from the Panthers, including, uh, I don't know what number this year, but it's probably like number 40 this year and one next year, uh, Shaq Thompson and Brian Burns in exchange for Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson only. Now, on the surface, you'll see that the Panthers now have their franchise quarterback with 25-year-old Deshaun Watson, who in my opinion is the current most valuable quarterback in the league because his cap hit is not as high as Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, You also look at the Texans. They have one of the youngest edges in the league who is performing at an extremely high level. And if you disagree because of sacks, just look at the other stats that he has, the other more advanced stats. Um, Not really advanced, but pressures, QB hits, stuff like that. Uh, as well as the tape. If you want to watch the film, uh, he just explodes on the film. He's an incredible player. Uh, In my opinion, the most underrated player in the league. The Texans now have a future star. They also have the eighth overall pick, as well as their pick next year, which is most likely going to be the number one overall pick. Obviously, if the Saints are losing most of their team, they're in contention for the number one overall pick. But I'd say that it's going to be the Texans without doubt especially since uh with this mock trade they're not even going to be getting a a QB this year uh, aside from possibly Teddy Bridgewater if you want to throw him in that deal he's not valuable at all I think that he brings down the trade value um but I think that if you're the Panthers you want to get rid of that cap hit so they're probably going to include him in that deal which means that the Texans are going to have a below average quarterback And the rest of their roster, aside from Brian Burns, is going to be absolutely awful, giving them the first round pick, uh, the first overall pick next year, which is going to let them get their franchise quarterback. And this year, I think that if Kyle Pitts is to somehow fall to number eight, then the Panthers are going to be absolutely set. Now, if he does not fall to number eight, they still are going to have other options. I think that Jalen Waddell and... Devontae Smith are both going to be available at that pick if Kyle Pitts is off the board because for Kyle Pitts to be off the board uh, it would be the Bengals picking him and it would be the Dolphins picking Penny Sewell um, so you know Kyle Pitts or Devontae Smith uh, are going to be available to the Panthers which would be absolutely insane especially when you pair them with the number one overall pick quarterback next year you've also got another pick next year and a second round pick this year to build up your defense or even further build up your offensive line which is going to be essential in protecting your quarterback okay the last thing that i'm going to cover before answering questions is going to be some miscellaneous nfl news around the league And first off, as expected, Justin Simmons is being franchise tagged. 
not much to say about that aside from the fact that Justin Simmons will likely be receiving a bigger contract in the near future, meaning that the Raiders are not going to be able to make any moves on him unless for some reason the Broncos are willing to trade him. Uh, on the topic of safeties, Micah Hyde was just re-signed to the Bills on a two-year deal, which was expected once again. Uh, now something I didn't expect, uh, rumors say that Taylor Moten is likely to be franchise tagged by the Panthers, and as I was making this, Taylor Moten was indeed franchise tagged by the Panthers. Uh, he's a great tackle, but I expected him to be let walk in free agency. So uh, we already know what, what happens with that situation, but we'll see what happens in the future with Taylor Moten. Uh, lastly, sources say that Russell Wilson is intrigued by the Bears' offensive line and their head coach, Matt Nagy. While the Bears would most likely to be giving up their best defensive player in Khalil Mack to get Russell Wilson, I think uh, that this move would turn the Bears into a playoff contender for sure. Because without Khalil Mack, they still have a bunch of defensive pieces that are borderline elite. Uh, also, it'd be interesting to see what the Seahawks do with their QB situation. I don't know if Nick Foles would be involved in that deal. Uh, I don't even know who the Seahawks backup quarterback is. But uh, seeing as even without Russ, they still have a very talented roster. Uh, so we'll see what a different quarterback would do with that situation. Again, finishing off the episode, once again, I'm going to answer some of your guys' questions. And once again, the only way to have a question answered is going to the Black Hole Podcast on TikTok and submitting a question with the Q&A feature. With that said, the first question is, do you agree that Josh Jacobs is overrated? And my answer to that is no. I think the perfect spot for him is anywhere from 12 to 14, maybe a little bit higher. But uh, putting him outside of the top 15 is definitely underrating him, and putting him inside of the top 10 is overrating him. Uh, and I've seen a great deal of both, so I'd say that he just isn't rated correctly, neither underrated or overrated. Uh, next, we've got, if Henry Ruggs III gets used the right ways, will he be the next thing to Tyreek Hill? And the answer is no. Henry Ruggs and Hill are two completely different types of receivers, and the only thing that they have in common is speed. I think that Hill is a better route runner and has better overall hands, but I have never and will never see Tyreek Hill make some of the catches that you will see Henry Ruggs make in traffic. I think if he's used the right way, he'll be a top 10 receiver, but I don't think him and Tyreek will ever be similar. Next up, we have a question that does not involve the Raiders, which is fine if you want to ask those types of questions as well, but uh, do you think Kamara is better than Cook? And my answer is once again, no. Kamara's production went way down when Drew Brees came out, and he has a far worse, and Cook, sorry, has a far worse offensive line than um, Kamara, and Cook's rushing stats are still way better. And it's also not like Dalvin Cook doesn't have any receiving ability. He isn't as good of a receiver as Alvin Kamara is, of course, but he's still a great receiving back. And the last question for today is, who would you like to see us draft in the first round? And as I've mentioned before, my preference is obviously going to be Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the linebacker from Notre Dame. Uh, but if uh, but if not, I don't want to see us take Pay because he is too similar to Cleveland Farrell, which we do not need, or Gregory Rousseau because he isn't technically refined in the slightest and needs a lot of work on his pass rush moves. I could also see a potential trade back for Trevon Morig. Uh, the safety, or even Christian Barmore, the interior defensive lineman. But my top four options at 17 are 
Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Joseph Osai, Aziz Ojolari, and Jalen Phillips. Okay, thanks again for uh, coming back to episode two. The weekly schedule for the podcast is going to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, If there isn't enough to cover, I'll most likely just skip a day, which hopefully will not happen too often. So yeah, I will see you guys back here on Monday. Thank you.